Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Do you remember where you were about three years ago, March of 2020? Right? You remember what life looked like for you? Yeah, I'm sorry to bring it up. It was probably one of the most traumatic times that any of us will experience. Uh, Obviously, there's individual issues or individual tragedies that we carry, the loss of loved ones, uh, just various things like that, but corporately, collectively, to have our whole community going through a season like that was hard. About three years ago, for a couple of weeks, we'd begin hearing about this new concerning illness, right, (laughs) that was seemingly storming across the globe. The term pandemic was starting to be thrown around, and that in and of itself was scary. It felt like we were living out the scene of a movie or the circumstances of some crazy video game or something like that. Remember March 13th, 2020? Friday the 13th, just the, just the day before, the NBA, I don't even follow the NBA, but the NBA had announced we're canceling the rest of the season, right? And that for everyone kind of, I think, was a shock of reality, like, wow, this thing is serious. And then that Friday the 13th, I was at work, and all the cancellations started rolling in, right? Practices, events, things that we were looking forward to, all of them just started cascading down. Social activities, civil meetings, events, school, non-essential workplaces, they all started announcing that they would close their doors for a period of time while we figured things out. Before we knew what was happening, we were all forced, really, into exile, weren't we? We were forced into exile as we watched the world seemingly unravel around us. It was scary. It was bad. It was desperate. For many of us, it was lonely. And I do hate bringing this up, but honestly, as I was thinking about our passage today and as I was thinking about where we are in history, it really, there's a connection here. Now, obviously, the circumstances are different, But centuries ago, the people of God found themselves, similarly, perhaps, stuck in exile. They were scared, they were isolated, they were in despair. The book of Ezekiel tells of the story of the Assyrian assault on Jerusalem. The Babylonians came marching in, they conquered the city, they left it standing, they didn't raise the city, but they took about 1,000 Jews back to Babylon into exile. In the book of Ezekiel, the, the writer of this, of this book for us in Scripture was a priest at the time, a prophet, and he was among the 1,000 that were taken into exile. And just like we have a tendency to do today, when everything seems 
to be unraveling. Everything that we know, everything that we feel comfort and solace in begins tumbling around us. Our brains just freak out. (laughs) We kind of go into panic mode, don't we? Survival mode. And for some of us, that means we double down on the sources that we trust. For some of us, we double down on the good things in our life. But for many of us, and sometimes even for those of us who do have a source of trust and hope, just in the chaos of it, we begin grasping at anything that might bring comfort or explanation as to what we're experiencing. You remember this? You remember this feeling in the early days? I do. For me, it was like the first time that I was checking the news daily, (laughs) listening to updates and reports, watching stats and dashboards daily, you know, checking what Larimer County was saying and listening to what our national CDC was saying. I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes that knowledge was comforting. It helps to kind of understand what's happening, but other times it was kind of terrifying. It was a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Certainly, the number of voices that were shouting for my attention had exponentially gone up. Clearly, there was much good that came out of that, obviously, right? The information we were receiving about COVID, the recommendations on how to handle being isolated at home and care for our our neighbor, care for those weak around us, that was tremendous. Otherwise, just three years later, we might not be in the place we are. So obviously, there was much good that came out of that. We needed to hear those voices. But I also remember lots that was coming out of those voices, many things that were coming out that weren't so helpful. Voices of panic and blame and suspicion and really the the voice of despair. That was hard. Voices that were not pointing us to life, but seemingly pointing us in the opposite direction. For Ezekiel and the Israelites, just five years into this exile that they're experiencing, things were not getting any better for them. (laughs) As a matter of fact, the people of God were unraveling at an alarming rate. Ezekiel had visions, the prophet Ezekiel here in Babylon in his exile, he began having visions that the Lord was giving him, visions of what was happening back in Jerusalem, the Jews that were left in occupation, and to his horror, the Jews were beginning to turn their back on God. They were beginning to worship idols. They were beginning to offer sacrifices to the Babylonian gods. The people of God were turning their back on the one who had rescued them out of Egypt, the one who had brought them through the wilderness and restored them to their promised land. They began listening to those other voices shouting for their attention. And as the people turned away, God's presence seemingly, his his blessing, his life was dissipating from them. It's a natural consequence when we unplug ourselves from the source of truth and life that we have, that things begin to unravel. 
a people whose hope and faith was being decimated. By all appearances, they resembled a valley of dry bones, right? One of the most poignant passages that we have in Scripture is found in our lectionary passage for today, Ezekiel 37. This passage is describing the predicament that the nation of Israel had found itself in as a result of the exile and then the subsequent turning away, turning their back on God's voice. The voice that had sustained them for generations, brought them out of Egypt and wandering in the wilderness. The prophet Ezekiel is shown the aftermath the aftermath of despair that leads to rebellion that the Jews in Jerusalem were experiencing. But this passage also reveals one of the most stunning promises of hope that we have in all Scripture. A promise that God never gives up. A promise that the grace of God goes before us and comes after us and never gives up. It seems that the two predicaments, the two outcomes that you know, are, are laid before us really boil down to two things. The question of what voice are you listening to for guidance and direction? And the second, where is your breath of life coming from? What is your source for hope? We'll be hearing the Word of God in three sections today as we'll be reading through this passage. Those sections are the bones, the breath, and the blessing. Before we read the Word, let us pray. O oh Lord, we wait for you, and in your Word we trust. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to set our hearts and our minds on, one, on the one true source of life that we have, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. We'll be reading Ezekiel chapter 37, 1 through 14, and we'll kind of break it up a, a little bit, but here we go. Verse 1, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And he led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. They were totally dead. They weren't almost dead. They were totally dead. <laughs> Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Hmm. Other translations, Ezekiel says, I replied, O God, you know. The situation was so bleak, the prophet couldn't even bring himself to speak what he really hoped, I think, what he hoped for. Of course, the natural desire would be to say, yes, of course, these bones can rise again. But Ezekiel had to admit, I just don't know. I just don't know. Can they live again? Have you felt that question? Hmm. For Israel, they had been through the ringer. <laughs> Not entirely from their own doing, but also not entirely in spite of their own doing, right? Reading through the Old Testament story of Israel, man, it's just filled with rebellion and wayward motivations, one story after another. And you and I, 
you know, we might shake our heads when we're reading some of those passages because we can see with maybe a bit more clarity from the outside. If you're like me, you hear these stories and you often wonder, why are you sabotaging (laughs) what God has just laid out for you as a promise? Why are you doing that? All you have to do is trust and obey. Maybe we don't see the the frights of that looming army or whatever it was that was causing the children to become distracted. But perspective and hindsight, they tend to bring clarity where it's lacking in the moment, right? In the chapters leading up to this vision, Ezekiel has been warning the people of the pitfall of turning away from the promises and the protection of God in favor of these other voices. By turning away from their source of life, seeking the favor and the false hope of the world around them, they've left themselves vulnerable and have found themselves in despair. As we find ourselves here in the final days of Lent, this season of preparation for Easter, for the celebration at the cross, perhaps it would be valuable for us to consider what dry places, what dry bones might be present in our lives today. Most of you, most of us, can point to moments of doubt, hopelessness, depression, perhaps, fear, anxiety, when these things were prominent in our life. And when we find ourselves in that space, the temptation is to begin finding answers or even hope from worldly wisdom. That temptation is strong. Hmm. Maybe that's where you feel today. I don't know. For certain, these last three years have given us moments in which we likely felt these things, right? But no matter where you are today or how you've gotten here, the promise today is that the story's not over. Just like for these dry bones, there's a voice calling from the wilderness. And that hope is pursuing you. Let's see how things progress as we continue in this passage. Let's see how things shift when the narrative, the voice that calls us back to God speaks. Beginning in verse 4. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body began coming together, attaching themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched muscles and flesh formed over their bones, the skin formed, covered their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind. Son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, 
from the four winds. Breathe into these bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bones. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great host. What a scene. You know, it's intentionally graphic, I think, kind of like the opposite version of decomposition of our bodies. First the bones snap back together and muscle and flesh and skin. Life being remade even in the face of the hopeless unraveling that had laid them there bare on the sand. But do you remember what caused the remaking? There was two things that we just heard. First, there was the promise of God, the word of God. It brings form from dust. Scripture, the word of God made flesh, the prophetic work of God in our lives, all of these things shape us, put us together. Through these things, we're remade into the shape that God intended for us. But there's another element, another missing piece, the breath. Another thing that God needed to place. Verses 7 and 8 said, the word is spoken, but the bones are renet into form, but they were still lacking the breath. The Hebrew word used here is ruach, right? It's used here, and it means wind or breath or spirit, right? Ruach. It's the same word that we see in the Genesis account of creation. The spirit, the ruach, hovered over the waters. And then, after shaping mankind, it was the ruach that was breathed into their lungs. It's the same word. It's used all throughout Scripture. It's the same word that was used, actually, in the visitation of the angel to Mary. The Ruach hovered over Mary in the incarnation as the Holy Spirit conceived Christ in her. This was the Ruach. The breath, it's the animator of the word of God in our lives. It's the key to life. And notice this, it's a gift. We might often choose what voices or narratives or gospels that we listen to And this passage makes it clear that some of those messages are life-giving, but that some of those are life-stealing. That's a choice that we make. But the breath which comes from the Spirit and animates it all, that is a gift. That is a gift that we receive from God in His grace. As we've been doing throughout the season of Lent, We're going to take a quick pause here in the sermon. We're just going to pray this corporate prayer that we've been praying weekly throughout this season. It's a prayer of reorientation. We believe that as we do this corporately, this also is a testimony for us individually. This prayer acknowledges our tendency to stray, perhaps like the Israelites did during their exile, perhaps as we did during our exile. Now, whether we're straying intentionally or whether we're just straying because we're in the atmosphere, we recognize our need for a Savior. Jeremy, do I have this? I don't. I'm just realizing I do not have this. Let me pray this for us. Find your prayer in this. Oh, merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. 
we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We're truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy upon us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. One of my favorite passages of all scripture also comes from Ezekiel, just the chapter before. You'll recognize these words. We say them around here frequently. But it's a promise of renewed, renewal in spirit, soul, and body. Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27 say, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. From all of your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. That's a good promise. Isn't that beautiful? I love it because it's honest. I love it because it's honest on how we might be living and walking. We not, might be looking all right on the outside, but carrying a heart of stone. But that's not where God wants us to stay. He wants for us a heart of life and flesh. Yes, he wants us to look whole, to look put together, but you and I know that it's pretty easy to look put together and to have a heart of stone on the inside. Don't stay there. God wants the breath, the ruach, the heart of flesh to be beating strongly inside of you, bringing you to the promise of hope and hope found in God's word. The hope of Christ, God's word made flesh. He wants to bring shape to our actions, shape to our priorities, reformation to the way we spend our time and our money. He wants to preserve us in the midst of the most bleak of circumstances, the moments brought on through the presence of sin and death in this world as we await his second coming, the second advent. He's made a way, and he's given the spirit, and his heart breaks right alongside of ours when death draws near. The lection passage from the Gospels is from John today, the story of Lazarus, again, a body unmade that Christ calls out of the grave. And of course, one of the most sympathetic and revealing short verses in the Bible, when Jesus wept, his heart broke for Lazarus. God's heart is that we have life. There's no God-forsaken place in your life. His breath, his life, his spirit is available everywhere. Chapter 37, verse 12. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I'm the Lord, that I have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken the word of God for the people of God.
Thanks be to God. God is as near today to us as he was to those dry bones. He's as near as your very next breath. Because God is still breathing, the Ruach is still flowing, right? And if you're the one who's found yourself perhaps in that valley of dry bones or the one that kind of feels the put-togetherness but recognizes, I kind of feel like I got a heart of stone right now. (laughs) The life and breath are laid before you. If you're feeling a bit of that hopelessness, if you're wondering if things are gonna be okay, I don't know where you're at, what situations you're facing. But if you're wondering where God has gone, he's right here. He's right before us. As close as our very next breath. Consider this. Lisa, you're a trauma nurse. What's the first thing you do when someone's panicking, when they've had an injury? You ask them to breathe, right? You ask them to calm down and start breathing. What's the first thing we do when our kids are like gasping for breath as they're crying because they hurt their knee? Just breathe. Do me a favor right now. Even those joining us online, thank you for joining us. Let's just take a couple deep breaths. Feel it as you inhale, as you exhale. The medical term for inhaling is inspiration. Is that right? We inspire breath. It's inspiration. Exhale as we expire our burdens. The fragments of the old, perhaps that heart of flesh, perhaps a little leftover dust, the brokenness inside. Today, I wonder if you would make this proclamation alongside of me. I'm making this proclamation today. Today, will you proclaim that a life of dry bones, even a life of put-togetherness is not enough. That we desire to be breathing the life of the Spirit strong within us that we endeavor to reorient ourselves to the voice that gives promises of guidance and protection, that we receive the breath that animates the word of God in us, reshaping our lives into the image of Christ, giving breath and life anew. Is that a good proclamation that we can agree on? Perhaps, let's think about our breath again. Here's a simple prayer. As you inhale, say, breath of life. And as you exhale, pray, dwell in me. Breath in life. Dwell in me. As we come to the Lord's table today to receive the life-giving elements enacting the renewal of Christ and his salvation in us, we have a unique opportunity to enact the proclamation that we have made today. You may be wondering if I'm ever going to mention it, but there's this big painting on the stage next to us. It's not always here. (laughs) But a few years ago, my wife painted this painting depicting the very story 
we've been hearing today. It's called that they may live or the valley of the dry bones. You can see those desert buttes there standing. You can see these representing the heads of those who have been re-knit standing before the Lord. And you can see, of course, the breath there in the lungs. You see this part down here? Well, this, this of course, is Scripture, but all of this and on the other side, those are names. Those are names of people. As Melissa painted this, she put out the opportunity for friends, family, strangers, just whoever, that if they, too, proclaimed that a life of dry bones or even a life of put-togetherness is not enough, a desired breath, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that they could simply say, I, I agree with that proclamation. And they shared their name. And Melissa painted their names into this painting one at a time. One over top of another. And today, she's allowing us to add our names to this painting today. If that's your proclamation, if that's your testimony, perhaps of the work God has already done in your life, maybe you're remembering the moment in which the Spirit of God filled you with life. Or if that's a proclamation you're making today for the first time, as we come to the table and as we enact this moment of prayer, we're given the opportunity to put our name on the painting. That may seem intimidating to you. We're gonna drag it right up to the front. We're all gonna walk by it. You'll hardly notice. You'll hardly notice. She's got some uh, paint pens there so you don't have to be a super good artist. But as we gather around the table, perhaps before you come to receive or perhaps just after you come to receive, if you'd like to commemorate that proclamation we've made today by placing your name in this work of art, I invite you to do so. It's gonna be a beautiful moment. Let's gather around the Lord's table. For those of you joining us online, this would be a great time to gather elements that represent the body and blood of Christ. Thank you for joining us. Let's come to the table. Come, whoever you are and wherever you come from, you are welcome here. Come, those who have much and those who have little, those who are strong and those who are weak, those who know much about God and those who are just beginning to learn, those who have come to church all of your lives, those who may be here for the very first time. For this is the Lord's table and the same Jesus Christ who took on the sin of the world and his death welcomes all people to come and to taste and to see that God is good. Communion is a reminder of what God has done for us through life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The God who created us is the God who forgives us and takes care of us, the God who calls us to wholeness and everlasting life with Jesus Christ. Now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we share this bread and this cup, and we celebrate the love that binds us one to another as the family of God. And so it is, all who trust Jesus 
whether a little or a lot, and those who want to trust him more are invited to come and to be a part of this feast that he has prepared for us. As we gather around the Lord's table, I invite you to join me in proclaiming the mystery of our faith by saying, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me.